Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth on Muddied Waters Media. Boys and girls, it's Saturday, but you somehow have the beard here. Who messed that up? Well, of course, it was me. Welcome welcome in, as I mess up my own settings. Welcome in, everybody. I'm glad that you guys are here for a weird, interesting Saturday day stream. Um, I've got a hell of a guest today. Um, had some some uh, a mishap happen, but I've got Sean Grijalva. Now, if you guys remember, we talked a little bit before about some veteran healthcare issues uh, with Sean. So make sure you guys go back, check that one out. But, but today we're going to be talking a little bit about foreign policy. One of the things that really um, drove me to, to, to love this man was his in-depth knowledge, his principled stances on foreign policy and his, his ability to dive through the muck, to get the truth of what's going on, to understand it and to see how things are going to play out. It's going to be a fantastic show. You guys are not going to want to miss this. But before we get there, of course, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. So I first want to thank you guys to each and every one of you for being a part of today's show, for hopping in here, hanging out, for throwing us some likes, throwing us some heart reacts, reacting to each other's comments, for sharing this out with your friends and family, to put this in your Facebook groups, to put this anywhere and everywhere um, so that this can get heard. Uh, today, the big topic, of course, is going to be the Ukraine-Russia topic. Um <clears throat> Big shout out and thank you to Matt Wright and Spike Cohen for continuing to give me a platform to come out and talk to you guys. Now, if you guys saw on Facebook, my status here is in question as I have over 15,000 unread emails and that's just unacceptable by Muddy Water standards. Um, So that may be getting revoked here soon. Uh, Big shout out and thank you to Brian Scott Lambrick and Jenny for the intro that we use on every episode of here on Mr. America, the Bearded Truth show. And of course, if you guys are listening to this live, but you guys want to find other places to do so, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Float, and Odyssey. There we go. But if you guys like to take us on the go, wherever you're going, whether to the gym, out to the store, and you can't, you don't really have the opportunity to watch, you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps. We appreciate those five-star reviews and the helping spread the message of muddied waters. Um, if you guys want to be a part of the exclusive content, exclusive group, getting the exclusive content, we just had an incredible, heartfelt, muddy Zoom this last Thursday. If you want to be a part of that, if you want to sit down with Spike Cohen, Matt Wright, and myself when I have the availability, you guys have got to get over to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe. Click the link. a month, that's all it's going to take, and you guys are going to have an incredible time with all of the different opportunities and all of the exclusive content that we'll continue to give you. Um, You guys can head on over to muddywatersmedia.com slash store. You can hook yourself up with some of the beautiful merch. I know my phone is always repping the Muddy Waters, and you can too. I want to give a big shout-out and a thank you, of course, to Kelsey Lion Designs. As you guys are looking for... Um, taking your events, taking your company, taking your campaign to the next step, you guys need somebody like Kelsey Lyon. She is going out there, changing the way that your company, your event, your campaign will be seen. She's going to make it 
um, an incredible, um, an incredible operation. She's got the insights. She's got the market um, understood, and she's going to help you out. So make sure you guys head over to KelseyLineDesigns.com. Use the code Muddied Waters. She's going to hook you up with a nice little discount, and I guarantee you, you're not going to regret that. Are you looking to get some knowledge? Are you looking to get some nugs of love? Well, head on over to nugofknowledge.com. Use the code BEARDEDTRUTH. You guys are going to get 10% off, and you are not going to regret this one either. Um, if you're looking to fly high and have a great time doing it, Nug of Knowledge is where you'll go. Um, sadly, because of the legalities, they can't talk about what's actually in their products and, and taking care of you. Damn you, government. But guarantee it's going to be better than your local supplier and you won't have to worry about somebody getting caught on their skateboard so head on over to nuggleknowledge.com use the code bearded truth get 10 percent off get the hookup in the mail taking care of you guys over there are fantastic people now without further ado let's hop in to the conversation today i've got the one the only sean grohalva who has been an incredible person to me both on a on a, a, a an emotional level and on a friend level um he's been an educator of mine he's somebody i've looked up to for years and especially when it comes to the topic of foreign policy so when the opportunity arose to talk about what's going on in ukraine and russia you know we had to jump all over it so if you guys would welcome with me the one the only sean grohalva how's it going bud hey bud how you doing uh, doing good doing good so i got you on a saturday i'm so glad we were able to work this out um sorry for glad to for, be here <laughs> sorry for all of that but the the russia ukraine thing that's something that every you you turn on the news because we're not really worried about monkeypox. we're not really worried about like the latest version of of covid this is what's driving people to have these angry conversations on their facebook feeds um, so much disinformation has come out because it's it's been politicized in so many different angles. So I wanted to bring you on to hear what your thoughts are and to, to, to dive into this because it's so incredibly important that we get somebody that's more unbiased, but somebody who's principled for what steps are being taken, how they should have been taken and everything else. Um, so it, I'm going to open the floor for you. Have a way. All right. Um, so starting with the conflict in Ukraine, there was a whole lot of, uh, to be really direct, BS messaging coming out of Russia, coming from the Kremlin about why they were doing this. You know, there were talk of Nazis, um, which we'll get to here in a second. There was talk of Ukraine didn't have its own culture. Um, but at the end of the day, Russia is in a really, really bad position, and they have been for a very, very long time. Um, also, when we're talking about countries, you have to remember that they have their own history that is very unique. It's very valid. Um, so when we look at Russia, there is a long history of oppression from outsiders. And part of the Russian psyche is that like outside oppressors go and kill millions and millions of people and do absolutely horrific things to those people while yeah. they're occupying. Um, this is something, you know, if you look at the central European plane, that's more or less like a highway um, where anyone walking can more or less just walk their way from France 
all the way into Russia, um, in the case of Napoleon, um, in the case of like Genghis Khan going even further back, you know, even approaching from the East isn't really that bad. And historically, when these people uh, come in and occupy Russia, horrific, horrific things happen. And that's something that we've really got to keep in mind. Russia, on the whole, has been acting out of a basis of fear. Because there are very, very strong um, what they view as enemies that are already on that plane. They're continuing to put, um, you know, ICBMs, major effective forces right on their doorstep. Um, you know, even back in the 60s during the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, we had nukes in Turkey. And if Russia had nukes in Mexico or Canada, I think we would be pretty freaked out too. Yeah, absolutely. All I, of I, that's. I, I want to highlight something that you said there because I think as as an American, so many of us don't recognize that that these are all countries over there that are landlocked together that you can walk from one to another, right? So yeah. you live in in Bama. Um, you know, I heard that potentially maybe uh, some some inner family relationships there, but um, but but stepping away from that, um, you know, I'm over here in South Carolina. For us to go to war, I mean, for me to be in South Carolina to embolden myself to have a, a strong uprising of a military, it's it's not unusual for Alabama to go. All right, no more roll tide. We gotta we gotta roll something else. You know, we gotta change things yeah. up, and that that mindset there of just the proximity. We're not talking about traveling across the Pacific Ocean when it comes to Ukraine and Russia. They are talking about their next door neighbor. That it blows my mind how often I forget that. Yeah. Despite talking about it so much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are they literally share a border with each other and while Russia is the largest country on the planet, um something like what three times the size of America, um we're still talking about a very compact area where last I looked, the majority of Russians live in the West um, within missile range of these other countries that are now on their doorstep allied, like have firm alliances with um, you know, the people that historically have been oppressing them economically but economic war is still a thing. Um, it still hurts people. It still causes real human harm. Um, now, all of that said, I am not apologizing for Russia in any way, shape, or form. What they no. have done is absolutely inexcusable. There is no justification for it or anything like that. I just think that we do have to start from a place of, yeah, I'm going to say it, empathy. Um, in order to understand why they are doing what they're doing. And, you know, it's, we are looking at Russia and we're saying, okay, your behavior is out of line. Um, this is going to sound really uh, paternalistic or something like that. It's like, you know, if you have kids, um, if you've had that kind of blessing in your life, um, you know, if your child is doing something that they shouldn't be doing, 
you really need to stop and ask, okay, why are they motivated to do yes. this thing? And what can I do to change the incentives or in order to behave their behavior? Um, you know, and that's, that's really the, the view that we should be taking. Now, we're not the policemen of the world, nor should we ever be. But a lot of what Russia is saying and doing um, is really quite simple when you take out their own rhetoric out yeah. of the mix. Because when you listen to the Kremlin, they're saying, well, they're Nazis, Nazis in Ukraine. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> there are military units in Ukraine, there are paramilitary units, militias that have used Nazi symbols. Um, you know, in that neck of the woods, that's not some foreign scary concept. Those were real. There's still living memory in Ukraine, in Russia, that remembers the occupation of the Nazis. Yeah. You know, we're talking about war crimes on a widespread scale of a very personal assault nature. Um, and this was widely, widely practiced. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get into the exact terminology. Uh, maybe I've been hanging around too many trigger warning, happy feet, <laughs> but you know, it's the reality is that like, this is still a very real thing for them. Yeah. No different than, you know, if you met someone or you knew somebody that was alive during the Great Depression, they are going to have a very visceral reaction to food insecurity, to housing insecurity, things like that. Um, you know, we, again, when we're thinking about what exactly is their motivation and how we can achieve behavior change, we have to consider that. And that is a large part of um, what is going on. And now, I think the flip side of the coin. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think that that's also important because lately we've been on a really strong activist kick here on the show. And we've been talking about ways of, of effective communicating, of ways of working with people that maybe you didn't expect to. And and one of those things is we talk about steel manning the argument where we you try to listen to the other side. You listen to where they come from. You understand where they're coming from. And then by being able to do that you're able to you're first able to understand what they're what they're doing what they're trying to do and you can then help them steer into a better direction so as we say here and we wag our finger at russia and say that you you know wagging uh, as we point our finger at them give them the knife hand and yeah. we're like no 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 this this ain't happening uh this ain't yep. your ring bud you know, we have to understand why it is that they're doing this. And and that's one of the yeah. big things that a lot of people don't want to talk about, because as, as, as you pointed out, there's a lot of things that have led up to this point to today. And if we just mm -hmm. operate as if this was happening in a vacuum, yeah, Putin looks like the worst, most excribable, uh, the, the worst person ever. Um, for just yeah. going in and attacking, you know, if we can quote the, the vice president of the United States, just because Russia is the big country and Ukraine's the small country and they're trying to take over, you know, suddenly, suddenly this looks Did you like really it, just channel Kamala on that? I did. I had to because <laughs> it, it's just so juvenile in the way that we phrased or she phrased it. And, and it shows like a, a lack of understanding on that. And so how do we just 
of course people are like no we just gotta go beat up the big guy we're the bigger guy than they are we have a stronger military we beat them out uh they are number two but we're number one so number one's got to take a a number two on number two it's fine um you know so but when we look at the thing in a holistic manner and we understand what led up to this point, we can see where America has been engaged on in Ukraine against Russia in the area in different proxy wars. We can see why this this conflict is um, is seen as beneficial for uh, some of the warmongers, even in the American soil, for us to get engaged on this. But we don't want to have that that conversation there. And that's why I'm so incredibly happy to have you on so we can have some of this this historical context there as well. Um, but, but I, I, I jumped in and I interjected, but I want, I want you to continue though. <clears throat> oh no, you're good. Um, yeah. And I really like the conversation around like, how do you engage with people that you otherwise normally would be battling? Um, this past week I was at a big organization wide meeting and, um, I heard a line that really stuck with me. Um, anyone that has been around me knows that, you know, I, I tend to carry around some sort of like writing pad and pen at all times, because sometimes you just get these ideas or hear these things that it's like, you got to write them out. Um, and I believe it is a paraphrase from Abraham Lincoln and it goes from, um, if I make my enemy, my friend, have I still not defeated them? Ooh. We're going to let that one hang for a second. Ooh. That, oh. Because that <laughs> is a lot. Yeah. There is a deep, deep well in there of insight. And, you know, it's, it's really spicy when you really start digging into it that should have been our objective from like a u.s foreign policy standpoint that should have been our objective on so many issues on so many conflicts over time but especially right now we're talking about russia we're talking about ukraine especially right now yeah you know there was a moment in the 90s where Russia was contemplating joining NATO, where, you know, they were really, really working towards um, joining, like, the West as a whole. Now, I don't know exactly what happened. Honestly, I've I've had a lot going on, so I haven't had time to uh, go and look into that further. Maybe it's something that one of your listeners can do. But, you know, when we look at that kind of history and take a look at that quote that could solve so many of our foreign policy issues yeah and and also on that note like of helping in foreign issues you know i i think it was rothbard that was talking about you can either send troops or you can send send trade like Mm -hmm. if Nobody wants to have, you know, and and speaking to to the previous president where, you know, we use war or we use trade as a war function um, in order Mm -hmm. to the tariff wars. But if you have that trade, nobody wants to lose that trade. Nobody likes to make their people suffer. Nobody likes to see their people pay more in taxes. Um, Some people will just blame. Well, 
I don't know about taxes. Okay. No, well, Some people no, like... Yeah. But everyone likes the point of the suffering that people pay, and they go, well, we just have to step in and do more on that. And And so, you know... The opportunities have arisen in the past of being able to engage in in productive trade um, with one another, yeah. and and we've missed so many of those opportunities um, as well. But and I'll tell you, you know, years ago at work, um, I had the great opportunity of working on like a big foreign policy course. Mm-hmm. Um, me and I don't. Oh, just lost you for a second. Try to say something. Nope. Nope. Um, it's going to pop up in a second. But uh, <laughs> so it, <coughs> it always pops up and says, there we go. It should be good now. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, if you've never had Jan- Dan Johnson on your show, he is absolutely incredible. This guy, he is a young guy. He is on fire. He is going to go and do some amazing, amazing things. I'm very happy and proud to call him a friend of mine. Um, and when he first joined the organization that I work for, um, like one of the first projects that we got was um, I, I was kind of given the lead on it and Dan was working for me um, as his life is changing and all that. Currently, I actually report to him, which has been like the greatest growth opportunity for me because I've learned so much from him. But one of the things that we ended up teaching was this idea of a stoplight for foreign policy, where the green is trade, yellow is diplomacy, and red is war. Hmm. Very, very simple. Green means go, trade all you want. Yellow is diplomacy. I mean, we're talking about, you know, agreements, international organizations, foreign aid, things like that. Um, And then red is when we're talking about full-blown war. Um, And that's a really, really great, I guess, frame of mind, paradigm to look at foreign policy, because it's something that, like, your average liberty-minded or anti-collectivist person um, looks at it and they're like, well, there's nothing that I can do. Well, there are some things that we can do. You know, um, when, we're, when we're looking at like the green light under trade, that's where you know, most human beings individually can do the most possible because we're talking about like breaking barriers for other people we're talking about empowering them if that's giving uh funds to them like live aid and um stuff like that that we've done historically in the u.s over the years or if that's just literally buying their products you know i will um (laughs) once upon a time not that long ago i used to um go on these long rucks uh during during yeah. the beginning year of COVID um, where I'd wait, wear like a weighted plate vest, um, you know, and I always love a good sticker or patch or something like that. And there's this company in Germany that started doing a series of patches that would benefit Ukraine. So they would only take the bare minimum for them to essentially clear that 
batch of patches and they would send the rest of the money to Ukrainian organizations and stuff like that. That's a great example because not only are we benefiting Germany in that case, you know, the money is going to the strongest ally in that area. Um, but also they're taking all the extra profits from it and they're sending it to directly to the people that need the help the most. Um, you know, and then once we get into yellow, it starts getting less and less of what individual people can do. But as we try to push the stoplight back to green, mm-hmm. we can still give and buy and model our values and send aid and things like that on an individual level. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I could go in depth on all that, but getting back to Russia and Ukraine for everything that the Kremlin said leading up to the war, what it was really about and what has been proven is that this is all about warm water port access. Now in America, this is not a problem of ours. Like to my knowledge, I don't think that there are any ports in America that are cold weather ports. And what a cold weather port is, is in the wintertime, the port literally freezes over. That is why Russia has so many icebreakers. That is why, you know, that is such a big deal to them. Otherwise, everything that they trade has to go overland. And now you're talking about, you know, very expensive. You're talking a lot of personnel to move a lot of things. Yeah. It's very heavy, lots of fuel in the process. It's an expensive way to trade, but if you can float the items, obviously your cost goes down, your people are able to prosper more. That is fundamentally what this has always been about. And they have shown that over the last two months. Um, and, you know, I, I sent you a couple maps um, if you pull up the one that's interactive, uh, I can. Here we go. Oh no, wrong screen. Whoop. There we go. Oh, Chad, can you still hear, can you still hear him real quick? Uh, I don't, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Hold on. Sorry about that. Um, all right. You're good to go. Sorry about that. So down along this coast. So you can hear me? Yep. Yeah. So fundamentally their real drive here was always to secure a warm weather pole, uh, port. Now, when we're looking at like Mariupol, uh, Berdyansk, um, places like that, they are not fully warm weather ports. They still do freeze in the we- in the winter for a time, but they are not 365 days a year warm weather ports. 
those were secured around Sevastopol um, in the Crimea Peninsula area back in 2014. The real problem is, okay, now they had a warm weather port, but how do you get your goods there? So what has shown up over time is that they were trying to create a land bridge from Russian territory all the way down into Sevastopol. So yeah, starting right in that area that is um, now fully supported by uh, Russian troops down that highway um, that goes through Mariupol and Berdyansk um, and then over into, I do not how to, know how to pronounce that one, uh, Melitopol and into Crimea, that was always their number one priority. You know, they did try to take Kiev. The Ukrainians handled themselves incredibly well. Um, you know, whether it was IT guys in ATVs, literally zeroing in, um, partisans along the way that were flooding roads so that the Russians would have to air down their tires to get out and their low quality of uh, Chinese tires that they were running blowing out. Um, thankfully, Kiev was uh, defended and did not fall. Um, but this was always the real, the real thing that was going on here. And on that map there, this map is a, um, an interactive, it may be a little bit delayed, but these are the official locations of Russian military forces. Now, this is, think of this as like headquarters or battalion commands, things like that. Um, I did send Jason a few more that show a little bit more active detail, but we're not going to go there quite yet. Okay. Um, you know, you can see obviously a very heavy presence um, right around Donetsk in that um, southeast corner. Yep, right there. And then you also see forces in the west in Moldova and this more uh keep going yeah right Are you there about these right here Where yep here's Pol okay. Moldova yep so when you're um if you think about priorities their number one priority was always secure a warm weather court their number two priority is this more cultural idea. Now, again, we have to put ourselves in the shoes of Russia. Um, the fall of the Soviet Union really and truly was a humanitarian crisis. People were starving to death. People were freezing to death. Um, gangs were running huge swaths. Organized crime was running huge swaths of the country. Um, individual rights did not exist in those swaths. They did eventually come back around and reassert order um but their country fell apart from the russian perspective again i'm not excusing any of this i believe that ukraine has its own very vibrant culture i think that's fairly obvious um as with belarus and lithuania and latvia and estonia and all these other countries that were former soviet satellite states but there were still Russians that were essentially stranded in foreign countries. Now, I don't know what to tell them. There are absolutely grudge matches. Um, 
that have played out in Ukraine where you, know, you do have militias that are executing and committing other atrocities, publicly executing and publicly committing other atrocities against Russians. Um, like that stuff is real. That stuff did happen. Those units did use Nazi symbolism. The flip side of the coin is um, Putin's favorite mercenary company um, or contractor company. The, I believe the owner or the leader of that organization literally has SS um, collar tattoos on his neck. He has mm -hmm. like Nazi symbols tattooed on his body. These are not questionable ones. They're not like, oh, well, maybe, you know, he just didn't understand the significance. No, these were real serious, um, like Nazi symbolism. So, so what you're saying is, is it's not okay for thee, but it's okay for me. It's kind of a weird, weird stance, but it is. Government. And it's especially <laughs> weird when you're talking about white supremacists versus white supremacists, because they're the wrong kind of white. I mean, it, it gets weird fast. Yeah. Um, but when we break it down to material issues, their number one priority, they've got to have a warm weather port that they can trade out of. Um, and their people are stranded in foreign countries. And those countries used to be part of Russia. It, it's a hard position, but mm -hmm. this is not the way. You know, if you want to bring those people home, bring them home. Um, you know, this is why we need people to be able to travel. I, I'm not sure if there are any restrictions against them traveling or something like that, but you know, if you want to be part of Russia and you're living in Moldova or Ukraine, like I, I got nothing for you. Like, yeah, maybe scoot, you know, it's such a, That's, it's such a struggle in in all of this because there's so much of that that it's just like we when we look at it from the american perspective and we try to understand all these things there are so many things that we want to do and there's nothing that we can do on on those fronts um you know we can't re-envision how history was and and many people have tried we can't act like history didn't happen and just say it's yeah. big country versus little country Deep thoughts with uh, Kamala. If you guys missed that on Muddy Waters, uh, a Freedom Tuesday night. That's a new segment, so make sure you guys tune in for that. But, um, but you know, uh, there's so much of this that you know people want to know. I, I guess like um, from this is we can we can of course dive into we could spend days talking about what's going on. Um, so right now, kind of if you could give us like a, a thirty second minute long update as to where we're at. And then I want to know if you got a couple bullet points for us for what we should be doing as American citizens, um, what our government should be doing. Um, are they taking the right steps? Where are they, where are they stepping wrong, et cetera? Yeah. So, um, and this is something that I have personally not had the bandwidth to go and research and, um, you know, really get out there and be a good example on. But if you really want to help, buy Ukrainian products. 
that is the easiest, that is the best thing where there is mutual benefit, where you're not just giving out of your pocket, you are getting something in return. Um, you know, and honestly, that's, that's the easiest thing that anyone can do. The hard part is, how do you find these Ukrainian products? Like, you know, where, where do you buy this stuff? Um, how do you ensure that it's actually from Ukraine? Um, things like that. Um, at the end of the day, you know, do some research on your own, look into this stuff. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people are very wary of TikTok for good reasons regarding, you know, the Chinese Communist Party. But um, I'll tell you, the amount of information that you can find on TikTok uh, from people that know what they're talking about and bring receipts is mind blowing. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> it was, it's been obvious that this war was going to happen for eight years. This is not anything new. This has been building up for a very long time. There are a lot of people that have trained Ukrainians have been there not necessarily in the fight, but training those that were, um, you can always reach out and listen to what they're saying on TikTok. There's, um, and there are a lot of people that are going very, very in depth. Um, you know, so that's, that's something that if you want to know more, get out there and do your research. It's shockingly easy right now. It's amazing. Um, you know, cause I, I, I used to be a, a, a loud critic of Q because, well, I mean, it was a giant conspiracy and, and kind of everyone who didn't buy into the Kool-Aid saw that as such. But one of the things that uh, the the following did was they were like, he gave us the blueprints to do our own research. And I was like, you got to sigh out. It's fine. Uh, but, you know, that that right there is you know, going on to TikTok, going on to social media and finding people and then trying to find other sources that can verify what you're reading. This is this is the best way forward. Practice your discernment skills. Does it make sense? Look at the history of things. Do all as as much as we want to just claim world leaders are just deranged and they don't have a clue as to what they're doing. I mean, they all can't be Joe Biden. Um, so, <laughs> you know, they, all <laughs> so, you know, we have, there is, there are going to be opportunities where it is a cognitive disability to have somebody in power. They're going to flail about, you know, we have reports coming out that Putin is sick. And so if, if he's dying, which you he know, is, um, you know, if, if he's dying, the best thing that he could do, of course, is to, to start up a huge world war because that's just in his country's interest. It's like there's so much more to this and we have to take the time to, to, to dive into this to understand. If, oftentimes we like to take unrelated matters and, and smash them together and make sure that, you know, we've – We've got this uh, this this blueprint back here of this map, and we got the little thumbtacks and the string, and and we're standing there smoking sixteen um, non menthol cigarettes because that would be bad. Um, <laughs> you know, just looking like a crazy conspiracy theory. It's like Putin can be sick. It doesn't mean that he's like just like fuck it. If I'm gonna die, I'm take the world down with me. There could be a lot more to this, and and that's why I'm like so glad that I had you on for this. Um, because there is so much more to this. 
there is those yeah. trade routes are massive if if you are cut off and isolated and right now you've got the kremlin coming out and and pushing numbers to to make the the ruple be more valuable if you will to the u.s dollar and it's like but they can't trade it anywhere so it's kind of worthless yeah. on the world market sure so whatever they value it at if venezuela mm-hmm. came out for a while and was like our money's worth billions it's like yeah you went through like a trillion percent inflation in a year like nobody cares like for those gamers out there, World of Warcraft Gold at one point was worth more than a Venezuelan currency. Like, a video, video game's virtual currency was worth more. I, I, nobody cares That's what insane. you sell. Yeah. And and so yeah. we have a lot of stuff to dis- discern in this. Doing, like, what you've done, go to the sources, find out. I'm, I'm going to grab this link for you guys, uh, the uh, Rondelli Foundation. I'm going to put that link in the description for the show notes so you guys can get that. Um, I do have a question for you before before we get to my final question for you um, yeah. from the chat. Um, John uh, John Connor asked, uh, speaking truths, you guys, appreciate that. Um, is our intervention warranted and justifiable um, from the government's perspective? Uh, he says, I cannot even keep straight how many billions uh, we were allies in World War II and have fought ghost wars with them ever since. Is the government warranted, justified in what they've been doing for the money they've been sending and any other actions that you've seen? I believe that the government's role is to first um, first and foremost is to secure individual rights. I think that is pretty much the the entire job description. Um, we're well past that. We've been well past that for... Since the 1800s? <laughs> yeah, 200 <laughs> years at this point. Like, you know... I would love to see a reality where it is truly limited, small government, they stick to their wheelhouse and all of that. But in the meantime, I'm going to engage in reality instead of the fantasy that I wish I were living in. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that they are continuing to do stuff like this with so much of our money. Um, It is causing real problems at home. There is literally a baby food shortage. Like, this is a problem. This is a real problem. This is something that is actually more in their wheelhouse than sending $40 billion worth of military equipment to Ukraine. Um, You know, at the end of the day, the word intervention, I think, is a very specific word. Um, So when we're looking at it, we don't have troops in active combat. We are avoiding that with every single thing that we can uh, for very good reasons. Um, JFK's number one fear was that a nuclear equipped country when faced with either launching nukes or um, a humiliating retreat and defeat, his biggest concern is that they would say, all right, you know what? Let's, let's do this thing. I'll take everyone out with me. Um, I don't see how at this point or any point going forward, how Russia can um, realistically like rehab themselves in the next 10 years as a result of this. Um, And one thing that's a very, very, very real reality for Russia is they have a population bomb problem and it is going off right now. When you look at the numbers, 
and how they recruit into their military, which is to say conscript. Um, you know, this was the last year that they could have done this. There was such a reduction in births in um, the wake of the Soviet state dissolving um, that this was like their last chance. Sir Hail Mary. Um, that this is it. This is kind of like their last best hope for securing like a reality that is profitable for their people, that is sustainable for their people where millions won't be dying of starvation. Um, you know, so that, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Um, yeah. I will tell you that millions would have died had they taken Kiev, had they broken through, had they overtaken the country because their next step would have been to invade Moldova as you can see by that militia that was on the map um it's the name the operational group of russian forces in the transnistria region of the republic of moldova um that was very clearly their next step was distract everyone with invading kiev go for the throat and then in the meantime build up the land bridge from Russia to Crimea, then extend that all the way into Moldova. And the rest, they were just going to um, choke out over time. At yeah. this point, shoulda, woulda, coulda, it, it is what it is. That's something that we can't control. It may be something that we're very concerned about. Um, you know, it's a bad situation for everyone. It is. It's and, a and bad situation for everyone. I, I wish that, you know, we had more principled people when it comes to the, to our foreign policy and how we conduct ourselves and had cooler heads on this conversation and, and try to use diplomacy and other means and other ways. Um, because, you know, you, you point out such such a concern, right? And I always considered it, and I saw a terrible, terrible meme um, from a, a libertarian fringe group um where ukraine was mother bear and was surprised uh yeah um but it uh it, it portrayed ukraine as like a mother bear in hibernation and russia's coming up and and it was just like hmm. or no russia was the mother bear just hibernating like peacefully and then you had ukraine coming up and prodding with a stick and it was just like that's not it at all like there is so much to this in talking about people, talking about a, a way forward for people. When you talk about, when we talk about American economics, right now we're potentially on the cusp of a, a pretty big economic downturn based on a lot of, of different interactions and how those play out is going to determine on if it's bad, if it's terrible, or where we, where we fall on that. Russia is talking about surviving and the mindset there of somebody who's trying to corral its people into supporting him to continuing to support him, who has had to use military forces in the past has had to, to do some pretty downright dreadful tactics in order to, to maintain support. This isn't something that he's going to take lightly. It's, it's interesting that, you know, when we, when we saw him stand on the world stage and said, I'm willing to use mutual destruction if we have to and people went he's just a crazy madman it's like you 
we have to have that that understanding. We don't have to agree, but we have to at least understand where people are coming from, why they're doing what they're doing. And then that way you can either leverage that for them or leverage that against them, depending on how you want to, things to play out. You can use these things and and it's disheartening to see, you know, I, I feel like there's a, a public facing from our government of what's being said to the people versus what's actually being accomplished. And, and certainly, right, propaganda is a big thing when it comes to every conflict, every war. You have to be able to discern through that. So don't just trust, well, Joe Biden and Kamala said this, so therefore it's the it's the real deal, Holyfield. There's so much to this, and, and I know that you're limited on time today, but I, I want to give you the last opportunity if you wanted to, to throw any last bit of information here on the Ukraine-Russia conflict, any any last big – you want to leave a, a cliffhanger for everybody. Um, I want to <laughs> give it for you. Well, I'll tell you, if um... – you, know, you do have folks that want to hear more. Let's set up another interview. Let's go into depth. Um, you know, I there is so much to unpack from all this, from Russia being the greatest, most convincing paper tiger in the history of the world, to, um, you know, digging into who's right and who's wrong, which, you know, spoiler, it, it's not that clear cut um you know we we can definitely do that i i think that this situation is a lot more complex than anyone in like mass media is giving it credit for they're trying to break this down into good guys versus bad guys like they do but what we've seen over time um, especially as the internet continues to advance and people have more of a platform to speak their mind, their perspective, give their information. We have seen that it's never that clear cut. And this is a situation again, where it's not that clear cut. Yeah, absolutely. I, the, the muddiness, if I can use that, <laughs> the muddiness of this, um, it's incredible. So I, I appreciate you, Sean, for, for taking some time on your Saturday to give me some of your weekend. I appreciate yeah. that so much, man. And uh, Absolutely, buddy. I, I want to thank you, and, and I look forward to having that conversation. If you guys are in the chat, make sure you guys put put a one in the chat. If you guys want to want to hear more, we can I can uh, bend Sean's ear, and we can dive deeper into this um, here soon. But, if, but while we wait for that, Sean, I want to thank you so much for hopping on, man. I'll talk to you here in a little bit. You're muted again. Oh, no, my internet went out. It's good. All right, man. I, I love you. I'll t- oh, there we go. Uh, I'll talk to you in a little bit. Uh, appreciate it Sounds once, good. once again. All right. There's so much to this conversation. Of course, we couldn't do it in one hour. Of course, we couldn't sit down and just hammer all these details out and, and get it to you guys in, in one um, simple package because we're talking about years of history, years of conflicts, and not just years, but decades of conflicts, decades of of um repressed feelings and turmoil and understanding the politics inside ukraine inside russia inside nato inside america inside all these different figures um but i hope that through the muddiness of what we were able to give you guys today and talking about a lot of the different aspects that are not being discussed in your mainstream news on your on your facebook feeds in your twitter feeds wherever you guys are are hanging out in the social media world that you're able to see that things are not even as clear as what a lot of people are trying to portray this to be. And so 
if we want to be effective in the actions that we take, if we want to be um, good and wholesome in every step that we take pushing forward, we have to understand from the beginning. And and I I know that through the activism discussions we've been having in the past of being able to work with people means that you have to understand where they're coming from. This is important when it comes to a national level, when it comes to a state level, country level, whatever level down to individual to individual. Every level, this has to be a tool that is effective to be used um, if we want to be effective in what we're doing and stopping wars and, and um, you know, creating trade of mutual benefit these are all things that we have to have these effective communications and that means that we have to have effective understanding of each other um of course you know we've discussed this a little bit here i'm i'm looking forward to future discussions on this as well in other foreign wars as as you know i'll be sitting here on the sidelines of course screaming and shaking my fist at, at the heavens um of of the thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people get killed um from these efforts so but with that guys i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap things up i'm gonna see you guys next week next friday we've got a show next friday is the libertarian party national convention next thursday friday saturday um let me know if you guys want me to cover it on friday and cover kind of my thoughts on the current state of the lp um i'd be happy to cover that if not we can grab somebody um and, and discuss some some other good practices that we could do as as activists or maybe even dive into some qualified immunity i think that that's on the uh, on the top of my brain lately um but next tuesday make sure you guys tune in for mighty waters of freedom spike and matt's gonna be a fantastic show 8 p.m ish eastern um and then wednesday there is no more my fellow americans that is being suspended for a little while spike's going to get some work done and take things and bring it back to us thursday night writer's block with matt Wright. you're not going to want to miss that then friday i'll be back here 2 p.m eastern i'll be on time that time i promise you guys i hope you guys have a great weekend enjoy the rest of it i will see you guys soon i love you see you guys in a little bit